Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than up-and-coming North Ants wicketkeeper, Harry Goldston. So Harry, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county cricket. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Uh, day's been pretty good so far. I haven't been up for too long, but I've had a nice breakfast and a nice shower and I'm feeling ready to go. Uh, fair play, mate. Fair play. And in terms of the breakfast, if you don't mind me asking, what's the choice yeah. for this wonderful Friday um, morning? I actually treated myself this morning. I had a couple of pan au chocolat. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is a decent breakfast. Yeah, I was feeling a little bit exotic this morning, so... <laughs> Went for a pan of chocolate. Yeah. Mm, fair play. Nice choice of breakfast, that. I've just had toast this morning, so very, very boring on my front, unfortunately. But okay. yeah, decent start to the day then, by all uh, by all accounts there, Harry. And yeah, just for, for those who are new to the podcast, obviously today we're not going to be talking just about breakfast items, pan of chocolates, croissants and, and toast. We're, of course, going to be talking about the wonderful world of county cricket. So... Again, for those who aren't quite familiar with how we operate here at TCCP, today I'm going to be talking to Harry all about his earliest cricketing memories. Then a large chunk of today's podcast will, of course, revolve around Northamptonshire County Cricket Club. And then we'll end today's episode with a little look ahead to the future. But Harry, before we get into all of that good stuff then, and we jump the proverbial gun, I want to take it all the way back to the origins of the Harry Goldstone cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this sensational game? Um, so my first memories would probably be, so my dad actually used to play professionally as well uh, a long time ago, but he he used to play in this charity game every year uh, back in Great Sanford, which is in Essex, which is where he's from initially. Um, and I remember mum taking me down there probably when I was three or four and I was watching all these, you know, grown blokes play and for whatever reason, I've I've gone. Oh, I want to I want a piece of that. I want to play cricket. And then I guess from there, it's just been you know cricket in the garden with my dad, my granny, family members really. So yeah, it was it was quite a nice introduction actually into cricket. And it's yeah, really, I've been playing for a long time. <laughs> you say you've been playing for a long time. What do you say was your your first age then when you started playing cricket? Um, so I remember playing under 11s at club cricket you know when you used to bat for four overs at a time and mm-hmm. i remember i used to i used to bat with a good family friend of mine and me and him would be trying to hog the strike for the 24 balls that you got to bat so that always got a bit a little bit feisty but yeah so that was from about eight years old i reckon right goodness me so yeah that's been yeah. quite a while then playing the game of cricket and obviously a fantastic game the best sport on the planet, without a shadow of a doubt. As uh, as I would say, as the incredibly unbiased host of the County Cricket Podcast, I do think it is the greatest sport ever invented. But you mentioned club cricket and obviously youth cricket. Harry, did you ever play diamond cricket, the most elite game on the planet? Yeah, of course I did, yeah. That was, um, that was actually one of my favourite ones coming up. Uh, we played... There was another game where they used to put the cones out in the boundary and they would have kind of six games going on at a time on the field. That was always good because you could hit sixes and I could never hit sixes on a proper pitch. So that was that was good fun. Yes, yeah, certainly was. I mean, there were some great games at junior oh, cricket. Yeah. 
absolutely fantastic. As I said, I always I always like to mention Diamond Cricket because that was like the the OG one, wasn't it? That was the the that was, classic. Yeah, that was the cornerstone of cricket back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you will not find many people in the UK, especially in our age, so early twenties, who have not played Diamond Cricket in some capacity. It's a fantastic game, and again, it's a a great introduction to the sport. But aside from club crickets and Diamond Cricket, Harry. Looking ahead to the professional game now, did you have any idols, any influences, any role models in either county cricket or the international game beyond that, that in those formative years you try to emulate and almost look up to, per se? Yes. Uh, so the reason why I became a wicketkeeper was, I remember watching Dhoni back in the day, probably when I was nine years old. Um, I'm at my house, there's like, so we have like a little hallway um, and I remember getting my dad to fire some balls and I, I used to pretend I was standing back. Um, and I got a pair of those Puma keeping gloves that Gilchrist used to have, you know, the orange ones. Mm-hmm. And so that that was what initially got me into wicket keeping. So I'd say those two were my kind of first role models. Well, two outstanding role models. Yeah. Excellent cricketers, legends of their respective countries, India and Australia respectively. Goodness me, Adam Gilchrist and MS Dhoni. Wow, two outstanding choices, if I may say so myself, mate. And this is going to be a tough question then. But let's say you could have a podcast or a net session, right? Either way, you're going to meet one of these people for an hour and you're going to be able to pick their brain. You're going to have a conversation and talk all things life and cricket with yeah. either of those two legends of the game. Who would you choose and why? Adam Gilchrist or Mahendra Singh Dhoni? Oh, that is tough. Um, mm-hmm. I, I reckon I would go with Dhoni because I feel like Gilchrist just made the game look too easy. I, d- I don't know if I'd be able to relate to him, whereas Dhoni sometimes did look a little bit stodgy and he was a bit of a grafter, wasn't he? So I reckon me and him have got a little bit more in common. And also his glove work up to the stumps was just unbelievable. I used I love watching, you know, the the compilations on YouTube where you can see how fast he takes the bails. They're like, I would love to see how he does it because I've never seen anyone do it like that. No, it, it almost defies logic and, and belief at times. And I'll yeah. tell you what, it does show that we're, we're both cricket badgers. I know exactly which compilation that is on YouTube as well. Goodness me, maybe I'm too far into the game of cricket. Maybe that's worrying actually, but MS Tony, what a keeper and... I'm guessing, Harry, you, you might have, have watched the IPL then in the past when Dhoni was playing for the Chennai Super Kings. Yeah, I've, I don't watch too much of it, but I, I have watched occasionally. And yeah, it's, I don't, he just always seems to hit the ball so far, but he doesn't look like he's trying to hit it that far. Like, you know, some people, you can tell they're trying to, you know, really hit it. I think he just makes it look quite easy. And that I remember trying to emulate that helicopter shot he used to play. That, that's a, like, it's impossible. Yeah. I can't say I've ever hit a helicopter. I can't say I've ever hit a six, to be honest, in club cricket either. But yeah, MS Stoney, what a cricketer. I do miss watching him, you know, in the IPL. And a shame we never really got to see him in county cricket, isn't it? He would have been fantastic. Yeah, he would have been a great signing for someone. God, imagine him in in the T20 Blast. (laughs) That would have been absolutely fantastic. But yeah, yeah, MS Stoney, great role model, Harry. And yeah, I'll tell you what, between those two, uh, Gilly would be fantastic, but I do get your point there. I do get your points. And I feel like Dhoni in particular against against spinners, you know, keeping to spin. I, I can't say I've seen many better keepers. So, yeah, MS Dhoni, I think that is a fantastic shout, to say the very least. And talking of the art of wicket keeping then, 
because I need absolutely no excuse to talk about it. I love yeah. chatting all things wicket keeping. It's a fantastic art form, and wicket keepers usually are a different breed, aren't they, in comparison yeah. to the rest of yeah. the starting eleven? But Harry, this is going to be quite a nice question. But what do you say is your favourite aspect of wicket keeping as an art form? Um, my favourite part of wicket keeping is probably standing back to someone genuinely quick. Um, I don't like. I just don't think there's anything quite like it. You know, when the batsman's jumping around the crease and the ball's coming through at head height, and especially in England, like everyone assumes it's quite easy because the ball's obviously coming through on the full. But you you've got the wobble, so it's quite challenging. But at the same time, it's real good fun. And I I don't I I don't actually think I've kept that many genuinely quick bowlers. But when I have, it's yeah, it's great fun. I can imagine it is. I mean, I say imagine because I've never done it, obviously. Unfortunately for us lot at Rowington, we don't have exactly X-brace seamers and I'm certainly not one myself. I'm an off-spinner or a slow bowler, I should say, to give it the correct technical term. But yeah, it's an incredibly fascinating aspect of the game, isn't it? That battle between bat and ball with X-brace seamers. And for a keeper in England, you're spot on. It does get more difficult, doesn't it? Because of the wobble in the air, it must be incredibly difficult to, to judge that at times. And in fact, just talking along those lines, how do you actually go about judging the wobble? Because it is something you hear a lot on commentary and it's something you see a lot in both county championship and test cricket. But yeah. as a wicketkeeper out there in the middle, how do you actually judge that wobble as it moves about in the air? So there's, the only thing you can really do is basically keep your arms as relaxed as possible. And then you it's quite a weird thing because like you see the ball moving but it's like moving so quickly and so weirdly like it it doesn't follow any real physics it's kind of going side to side and up and down so you just have to hope that like your arms and your eyes are working together and and the ball does go in the hands I have I have had a couple times where they've let me down and the ball has gone through my legs and that's always that's always a horrible feeling but on the whole if you're relaxed it's it normally goes in and I think that's definitely the hardest thing stepping up from like junior cricket to proper cricket. That's the big difference for wicket keepers. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask this alongside the, the question of the favourite aspects. What do you say is the most difficult and the toughest aspects of keeping at this level? Oh yeah, wobble hundred percent. It's just on on side you have so certain bowlers and certain places are horrendous for it. So the county ground at Northampton is pretty good for it because it's quite open. Um, but I remember we played a we played a game for Loughborough Uni at Hampshire at the Aegeus Bowl, and because it's quite closed off, it, like the wind kind of circles around, and so that was horrible for for wobble. And then it's it's almost the the slower the bowler is, the more it wobbles. So you've got people like Ben Sanderson. I'm, well, I hope, I hope he doesn't listen to this and hear that I called him slow, but. But he's he's the horrendous for Wobble and Gareth Berg and Luke Proctor. We've got a few at Northampton who are horrendous for it. But it's it's just a case of doing the best you can. Yeah, I think that's the important thing to, to take away, isn't it? The fact is, it is out of your control at times, but it's all about just getting into the, the best position, isn't it? When yeah. it comes to the Wobble. And unfortunately, sometimes you are going to miss it. It happens yeah. to the best of keepers. We've seen loads of keepers struggle in England, haven't we? in overseas test series. So, yeah, it's just part and parcel 
of the game, unfortunately. But talking of those disappointing moments, actually, before we get into the discussion about Northants and your journey in county cricket, as a keeper, Harry, how do you get over those disappointments? So, for example, let's say you do concede some boys. The ball does go through your legs after wobbling in the air or, for example, you drop a catch or miss a stumping, right? How do you mentally refocus in the heat of battle and almost put that to one side over the course of a game? So I think I have quite a unique approach to it. I I try and put everything into perspective. So I will, if I have a bad day at cricket, I will put it into the perspective of like my life in general. So I will I will still think, oh, I'm going to go home and see my parents and like they're not going to judge me on this. And, you know, my family and friends aren't going to think any less of me because I missed the stumping. And also understanding that you are going to miss chances occasionally and you you are going to have a bad day but as long as you're working hard behind the scenes you know you're putting the work in and doing everything you can to make sure it doesn't happen often then there's not much more you can do really because like, as a keeper you do get singled out because you've got big gloves on and people assume you should be taking every single chance but it's not often you won't see a bowler or a batsman get berated for getting one low score like in a run of 10 good games whereas if a keeper has you know nine good games and then one terrible game then it's it is plastered everywhere so I think that's just part of the job isn't it and yeah putting everything into perspective and realizing that cricket's not the be all and end all. Definitely and I think that's an incredibly mature outlook for someone who's so young in the game to be honest Harry I do think that's very admirable to be honest and I will ask this because I can't relate to it on a wicket-keeping perspective. I've yeah. never been a wicket-keeper. I did used to be a goalkeeper in football, right, yeah. for a club called yeah. Henley Forest. And I can definitely relate to that. You'd have a fantastic run of games. Yeah. You concede one bad goal, and all of a sudden, you're the worst keeper on the planet. Does yeah. that ever frustrate you as a wicket-keeper? It used to really frustrate me, yeah. Because you... When you're younger, obviously people don't see all of your games. They might see one game out of five or whatever. And if you have a bad game there, people people will go like someone will say he's a good keeper, and then they've seen you that in that one game, and they'll go, no, he's a, he's bad. He's a bad keeper. So it does annoy me to an extent. But now I've got over that. But it just annoys me for the younger guys coming through. It's quite it's quite tough on them, and I think goalkeeping and wicketkeeping actually have a lot in common both in like in regards to how we move catch the ball but also like you're you're essentially on your own aren't you in a in a team sport so and when I remember when I played Sunday league when I was younger I always used to feel bad for the goalie because I could relate to that from cricket so yeah it is interesting isn't it there is almost that overlap between the two I do wonder actually if in cricket there is any any room for conversation between the two sports, actually, between keepers on, on football and, and cricketing terms, actually. That would be quite interesting, wouldn't it, to, to kind of pick each other's brains because you're completely correct there. You are on your own, even though it is a team sport. It's a real specialist position, isn't it? Yeah. And the fact is, if you make a mistake as a goalkeeper in football or a wicketkeeper in cricket, the emphasis and the onus really is placed on you, isn't it, in comparison yeah. to anybody else. Someone gets a duck, They've got the next innings. That's absolutely fine. Someone yeah. bowls a bad delivery. They've got the next ball or the next over. If you drop a catch, 
as a keeper with those gloves on, in particular yeah. in, in the age of social media, you're vilified, aren't you? Oh, Straight yeah. away. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting aspect of the game. It is an unfortunate aspect of the game because, you know, people do have expectations on you as a wicketkeeper. But then again, at the same time, there must be nothing more satisfying than perfecting a stumping or taking a stunning catch, is there? Oh, there's, there is nothing better than, you know, if you've been working on something all winter and it comes off in the season and obviously you're the only one that knows it's come off. But it, it is the best feeling in the world because, you know, all that works actually come into fruition, which is, yeah, unbelievable. And also, it's I, I do feel like nowadays people actually are starting to appreciate the wicketkeeper a bit more now that obviously all the difficulties have been documented on Sky Sports and stuff. So if you take a good stumping or a good catch, like people will appreciate that, which is always nice as well. So, yeah, there, there is nothing. I'd rather take an unreal catch than, you know, score runs and stuff like that. See, I like that mentality because that was the exact same mentality I had with football. I, I, I was never bothered about scoring goals. It was no. always about, you know, producing a, a good save and, and defending that goal. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting to understand different mentalities, isn't it? Because it is the same game, really, yeah. when you think about it. And, yeah, we've got all these different stars, got all these different approaches and all these different positions in cricket and... Yeah, ultimately, it's all towards the same end goal, isn't it? It's quite interesting. It's a fascinating game, is the game of cricket. And for yourself, Harry, obviously, I'm talking to you as a professional cricketer because you do play for Northamptonshire County Cricket Club. And we haven't really discussed Northants as of yet in today's podcast. But what were your first kind of, of dealings and encounters with Northants as a county cricket club? Where did that pathway and that journey actually originate? So I, I joined in under 10. So I've been with Northants the whole way through. I, I live probably 10 minutes away from the ground. Um, so I've, I, yeah, I've played there the whole way through. I joined the EPP when I was 14, the academy when I was 16. So it's been like, been your generic kind of hometown boy come through, which is quite rare at Northants actually, because a lot of the boys come from, you know, Bedfordshire and surrounding counties. Um, and as I said, my dad played there, um, my godfather, David Ripley. So it's, it's like a real, it's almost like a bit of a family business. Um, but yeah, I know, I know all the coaches, everything like that. So it, it does really feel like a home club to me. Good. I'm really happy to hear that because I do have a lot of respect for North Amps. And I yeah. tell you what, we've had some fantastic guests from the club here on the podcast. Funny enough, including your godfather, David Ripley. Rips was a sensational guest. Yeah, he was brilliant. Genuinely, for any aspiring coaches, yeah. I can't remember the exact episode number, but just put in David Ripley podcast. We come up on Google, yeah. listen to it. That man, I spent an hour talking all things coaching with him. Genuinely, I don't think I've learned more in a single yeah. episode than that. He has got an unbelievable critting brain on him. And oh, yeah. yeah, you can see why he led Northants to success in 2013 and 2016 ridiculously intelligent individual yeah. is David Ripley and a fantastic man as well. Again, he is Mr. Northamptonshire, isn't he? He is, yeah, he is. He certainly is. That could be you in the future as well, Harry, given this uh, this cricketing story, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much growing up 10 minutes away from Wantage Road and, yeah. and now playing for the club. No, it's a lovely club, Northampton. This is actually quite a nice question. But Harry, what does Northamptonshire County Cricket Club actually mean to you? What does it mean for you to go out there 
and represent your boyhood club, your home county, stepping out onto that field and representing the Rose of Northamptonshire? To be honest, to me, it represents kind of everything that I've gone through to get onto that pitch. So I remember the first couple of times I played, it was kind of almost like all of the people who believed in me from, you know, club cricket early on, family, friends, school cricket, all of those, all of my friends. Um, it was almost like kind of I was finally doing right by them. So it, it was an incredibly proud moment. And I know my my mum and my dad were so proud and obviously everyone else. And no, it, was, it was a great moment. And when I did well on my debut as well, it was it was unbelievable. I don't I don't think I've ever felt quite like that. And it's, I, don't, I think it's even more special the fact that obviously I've got so much connection to the ground and to the town. Um, so yeah, it was, oh, it's an unbelievable feeling to represent them. Good. I'm really glad to hear that because when we have had conversations in the past, I'm not talking about here on the podcast, but you know, the wider cricketing conversations about the legitimacy of certain counties in county cricket. North Ants, for some reason, always get banded into the discardable category. Yeah. And, and I've never understood that, in particular when you're thinking in recent years, the fact that they've been so successful in T20 cricket. They've produced England cricketers, you know, the likes of Ben Ducketts, Ollie Stone, Graham Swan, have all yeah. come up through the North Ants Academy system. You've got someone like Emilio Gay, for example, who's now fighting for that England Lions place. Yeah. I, I've never understood why people see North Ants as almost this dispendable county. And obviously... I mean, I don't make it obvious enough here on the podcast, but I certainly don't agree with that view. And I suppose for yourself, Harry, as someone who is so intrinsically connected to the county, having lived there and obviously having those family links at the club, what do you make of that wider conversation about the legitimacy of North Ants as a county cricket club? Yeah, I mean, it, it does make me laugh because like, there's so much history behind the club that I don't think people quite realise. It's, you know, we've been playing first class cricket for well over a hundred years, haven't we? So and we've we've not done badly either. So well the two T twenty wins, we finished sixth in division one last year. We always seem to do well in the T twenties. We just missed out on the quarterfinals last year because we had a bad run in. But like we certainly pull our way pull our way in the like in the wider county cricket. And I d I I don't know if it's because We've got a smaller ground or, you know, the Midlands counties like Leicester, Derby, Northampton, we kind of get lumped in together, don't we? So I, I don't, I've never understood the reasoning behind why we get labelled as a small county, but I guess we just have to kind of keep proving them wrong, don't we? You certainly do. And again, if anything, it should be motivation, shouldn't it? It should ignite yeah. the fire inside to prove people wrong and, and silence those naysayers because, as you said, in the last decade in particular, that's where I think North Ants have really come into their own, almost with that, that T20 renaissance yeah. at the club. Because the story of 2013, for those who don't know that, yeah. for anyone who's seen the film Moneyball, it's cricket's version of that. It's an extraordinary yeah. tale. In fact, I think I spoke with Rips about that on the podcast, but North Ants add a lot of value to counter cricket. I mentioned those England players beforehand. They've got a good EPP system. They've got a good academy. And Wantage Road, if you haven't been, you've got to go. I love Wantage Road. It's nice and open. It's in a little bit of a funny setting, though, isn't it, in terms of the, yeah. the houses <laughs> that yeah. you have to go through on the way there. But no, it's a lovely ground. I mean, I went there again this year. I always love going to Wantage Road. So 
yeah, again, for any listeners who haven't been to the county grounds in Abingdon in Northampton, get yourself down there in the summer of 2023. I cannot recommend it highly enough. But Harry, talking of Northampton then, and your debut, you mentioned it very, very briefly, but yeah. talk us through your first-class debut for Northamptonshire County Cricket Club, because this arguably might be the most unique debut that we've ever had on the podcast. So what can you tell us about that fateful day down in Bristol? Um, well, so I actually, I got the... Rips told me I was playing probably a week before because Rosso was injured. And obviously at the time, you know, the T20 squad and the championship squad were separate because of COVID and whatever. Um, so I had I had a while to prepare and let it sink in. And then I remember the night before I, I couldn't sleep, got to the ground the next day and it was like the first time I'd ever really been involved with some of the guys. And because I hadn't had a chance to play second team cricket that year because of COVID. I played a little bit the year before, so I didn't really know many of the guys. And then got my cap from Rips, which was a good touch, and he gave a little speech. Uh, Keezy gave a speech as well, which was nice. And then, yeah, we're about an hour into the first session. I'd got my first catch. And then I remember, um, I don't think it was Rips. I think it might have been Lids that ran onto the field and kind of pulled Blessing off because Ben Curran had tested positive for COVID. And so, but we didn't know that at the time. So we're all going, what's going on here? Um, then we came in for lunch and they told us the story. And we were sat in the changing rooms for about four hours. They were working out whether we could play, whether we had to go into isolation. So in the end, they called the game off, which was a shame. But it was still nice to get out there. But it was, I think Radis has told me, I think it's the shortest debut ever or something. So I don't mind having a record. Yeah, it is. I was actually going to bring that up. It is the shortest debut in terms of number of overs in yeah. county championship history. So <laughs> there you go. That is something that you've probably got for life, to be honest, Harry, unless something else happens in, in county cricket. But goodness me, that is a very, very surreal way to yeah, mark your first-class debut. I don't think anybody else would ever have a story like that, but... I'm guessing it didn't take the shine off, even though it was behind closed doors, obviously no fans allowed in to the Bristol yeah. County ground and ultimately it did get abandoned after not even a session. It was lunch on day one, wasn't it, that the game got yeah, abandoned? But I'm still guessing it was a tremendously special moment for you to go out there and and make your debut for your boyhood yeah. county. Yeah, it was. And it was nice, obviously, to get my cap. That was nice. Um, and also just to be out there and kind of get a feel for it. And I didn't, I think the best thing about it was that I didn't actually feel out of, de- out of my depth at all. So I guess it kind of gave me a gauge of where I was at with my cricket and all of that. And then I, it made kind of made me more determined to push on for the next year because I knew that I wasn't quite ready on the finished article, and I'm still not, but I knew that I what I had to work on to kind of be in that environment. And I saw how you know, some of the older guys went about their business and stuff like that. So it's just, it was a good learning experience in the end. And, and that's what debuts usually are, aren't they? It's all yeah. about that learning curve and, and putting you on that right pathway to succeed in the first last game. And you mentioned there the learnings and the takeaways from that, that maiden first class appearance. What do you say using the power of, of retrospect and hindsight? What's your biggest takeaway from that particular game? 
I think I think the biggest takeaway I had from that game was in well, enjoy my cricket because again that could get taken away whenever as shown in that game. Um and you know, I remember being out there keeping and actually thinking, I thought I was gonna be really nervous, like a like a big ball of emotions, but I I remember just being out there and kind of soaking it up and going, you know what, this is actually really fun. I wanna I wanna do this a lot. And I think that was the first time in a long time I'd actually just kind of taken a minute to kind of appreciate where I was. And I was I remember thinking like not not a lot of people get to do this. So like this is pretty cool. Yeah, you spot on. A lot of people do not get to do this. I mean, for example, I certainly won't be doing that anytime soon. I don't think I'll ever get the opportunity to play first-class cricket. Thankfully, Warwickshire have got. Oh, if we, Harry, if we ever need my services on a cricket field, Warwickshire <laughs> need to be disbanded immediately because we're not competing for any trophies. We're not. We'll be demoted down to a third division. They'll have to create one specially for us if they need my my services. I'm not even going to say talent. I wouldn't even begin to describe them as that but no as you said you become part of an elite group don't you of Northamptonshire cricketers and you mentioned the history and the pedigree of this club Northampton have been a first class county since 1905 so that is now almost 118 years of first class history for this county and you are joining a very 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 small collective of players who have had that chance to represent the Tudor Rose so yeah unsurprising that that was tremendously special and obviously it's a day which will live with you for the rest of your life and talking of moments like that and highlights and the proud moments would you say that debut was your proudest moments in a North shirt so far or has a game since then maybe topped that because you did have an excellent knock against Glamorgan in the yeah. 2021 championship I'd say that Glamorgan knock is definitely number one debut closely follows number two but that I think that just the circumstances around that Glamorgan game and, you know, obviously Bergie going down injured and Procky having, you know, a hard time at home. I think for us to dig deep with nine people there, that, that was something special. And I don't, again, like that was almost like another comical situation. Like we, yeah, I've never seen anything like that either. It always seems to happen. I remember my mum calling me after that game and going, I think it's just you. You seem to make this happen. <laughs> yeah, they, they are some some bizarre circumstances, yeah. aren't they, that you've been a part of in, in five first-class games. I mean, goodness me, Harry, it is quite the start to, <laughs> to life in first-class cricket, really. But in terms of that game, for those who don't quite understand the background and the context of what we're actually talking about, what can you remember from that draw at Sapphire Gardens because as we've already mentioned that again was quite a surreal game wasn't it um well just, we, we were on the back foot probably 95 percent of that game they they scored 450 in 100 overs or however long whatever it was they put us to the sword obviously we only had we had three seamers which wasn't great um and probably we had kegs as our main sprinter and then Keezy got through a lot of overs. Um, we got put into bat that last day. And even then, I still didn't really understand how it all was. So I, I was like, surely we could bat, you know, a day. And obviously, the, at the time, like, the guys like Ricardo and Emilio, like these guys, I was like, oh, like, these are the best thing, best batters I've ever seen. Like, they can do this. And then a few wickets went down. And I was like, oh, could be in trouble here. 
But I just remember going out there and batting with Kesey and it was, I've, I was in a zone that I don't think I've ever been in before or after. I, I remember Michael Nisa running into bowl and he was like, they were going short. They had probably a leg slip, short leg, couple man out on the leg side. And I remember Manus was getting stuck into me, but I, I, just, I didn't really hear any of it. It was all kind of noise. So, yeah, it was almost like I was in like a bubble that couldn't couldn't be popped. And I kind of knew, I knew that when I got into that, that I was going to be able to bat for the rest of the day. I don't know why, but I just knew. That really is fascinating to hear that. Yeah. The fact that you were in almost that level of concentration and focus that you felt as though you were in a bubble, which couldn't yeah. be popped. That's a really interesting way of of describing that feeling and that that sensation actually and I suppose did that did that feeling and that emotion almost come to the forefront when you did raise your bat for that half century because that must have been a again a massive moment for you given all of that connection to the club all of the hard work all the hard yards that you've put in to make that moment happen I mean what what was going through your head when you did lift that bat and you know got to your first ever half century in first class cricket for Northants um, so I, I remember obviously David Lloyd was bowling and I remember, I remember going, please, like, please just like, I just need two more runs. Can I get these two runs? And then he bowled me a nice one on my legs and that was nice. And then it, it was almost like, not I've made it cause I haven't made it, but it was almost like, oh, like you've really done this. Like this is, this is what you've done. And I remember Keg saying, well done. And for about, for like 10 seconds, I was thinking like, Oh, mum and dad are going to be watching this because they were on holiday at the time, so they were watching the live stream. Um, and I was almost thinking like how proud they would have been. And I have a thing where I point my back to the sky because um, my grandmother passed away a few years ago. So I remember doing that, and that was quite a special moment. So that was, yeah, the proudest moment of my life. That that moment. Unsurprisingly, so to be honest, Harry, you know you deserve that. You really do, given all the hard work, all the hard yards. And that journey into Northampton in the first place, I can see well that's a tremendously special moment. And if I may just say so myself, I remember the game because yeah. I remember Kieran Carlson scoring one seventy not out. Yeah. So it was a very memorable game, even for me as a neutral. But it was an excellent knock, sixty-seven not out from one hundred ninety-nine balls. Should be tremendously proud. And fingers crossed in the future, you can get to three figures. I look forward to the celebration for that one as well because. You know, you keep on putting in the hard work, the efforts, the hard yards. It'll come one day, mate. It really will. And I mean, aside from that game as well, I did just want to ask this question because even though it is quite a an early start, I suppose, to your first-class journey, you have yeah. faced some excellent bowlers as a yeah. Northampton player. So who do you say so far? I know it's been very, very early, but who do you say has been the toughest bowler you've ever faced in county cricket? Um... I would have to go Nisa just because I had to face him for a, he kept coming back. He was like, a, he's a machine. He's, he steams into bowl, like genuinely sprints in and he'd do that for five overs at a time. And then I'd think, okay, like I might have an hour away from him here. And then 25 minutes later, Chris Cook would go, oh, Nisa, you ready to bowl again? And he'd go, yeah, yeah, ready. And I was like, oh, surely not. Surely he's not coming back again. But, yeah, just that that was proper tough cricket. Like he was coming hard at me. He was bowling short. And I remember he, he pinned me a couple of times. 
And like it, it wasn't nice, but it was what I imagined proper first class cricket to be. And yeah, the skill he had, the control he had was just oh, unbelievable. I can see why he's played for Australia. Like he's, he's a proper bowler. He certainly is. I've got an awful lot of time for Michael Nisa. Need to get him on the podcast one day. I think he'd bank yeah. for a very, very interesting guest, to be honest. But as you said, a tremendously skillful bowler and international quality. So, yeah, I can definitely see the logic, the rationale and the reasoning behind that particular choice. That must be incredible to face bowlers like that. It must be absolutely unbelievable. And, yeah, glad to see Michael Nisa returning to Glamorgan in 2023. Will definitely be a big asset, again, for the Welsh County in this year's county championship. But Harry, aside from the proud moments and the highlights then from your time at North Ants, we do have to discuss a few of the more difficult moments because unfortunately, as as great as it would be for cricket to be a game of highs and incredible moments, it also can be an incredibly cruel game at times. You do have very low lows and you do have bad performances from time to time which can eat away at you on the inside. So... What do you say has been your toughest moment from your time as a Northampton player so far? I think I, I would say my toughest moment would be so after that Glamorgan game, we played Gloucester and I had a decent game at Gloucester. And then after that, I had a, a a tough run of games against Surrey and Durham and then and then I got dropped. And I, th- I think that was quite tough purely because I'd never been in a position where I'd been dropped before. Because of, coming through the age groups, it had been... I'd always been one of the better players and, you know, obviously school cricket, club cricket, never been dropped. And then, yeah, that was that was quite tough to deal with. Um, but I would like to say I was handled well. Rips called me personally and, you know, they made sure I was looked after and stuff like that. And that was good. But, yeah, just more from the fact that I never had to deal with it before. So I didn't really know how to deal with it. But I guess since then I've kind of, You've, you've got to learn that it's not personal, it's purely team-based, isn't it? So, yeah, you've just got to keep going, whatever happens. Well, I'm glad you've actually brought that up because, again, that's tremendously common, isn't it, in cricket? When you have got that talent from such a young age and you do dominate schools cricket and club cricket and everything's been going on this upwards trajectory, yeah. it is incredibly difficult when you do have that moment where you are dropped for the first time yeah. because if you've never experienced that before... It's a completely new feeling. Obviously, you're disappointed. And straight away, you've got to work even harder to get that opportunity once again. So I know this is going to be quite an interesting question, Harry, but how did you actually deal with that for the very first time? You mentioned you hadn't felt that before. So how did you come to terms with it and almost motivate yourself to get back into that starting 11? Um, So personally, I dealt with it by asking Rips what I could do to, you know, get back into the team and what I needed to do to improve myself as a player. So that that was the second last game of that year. So that I wasn't realistically I wasn't going to get back into the team that year. So he gave me a, a few things I needed to work on over the winter, fitness being one of them, and a few other little technical bits. And so I did I worked very hard last year or last winter uh to put those right. Um Obviously, it didn't quite work out last year. I had a few injuries and stuff like that. But I, f- I, f- I just feel like it's being seen to be proactive about what they're asking you to do. Well, yeah, it's it's completely understandable, isn't it, Harry? Obviously, that would have been tremendously difficult 
at the time to to come to terms with and deal with. But as you said, the only thing you can do is come back and, and strive to work harder, isn't it? And improve on those technical aspects and improve your fitness over the course of the off-season. And just before we get into the concluding segment of today's podcast, which is the return of teammates for the first time in 2023, cannot wait to get into that segment. So I thought I'd leave it as a surprise for your listeners instead of ruining it at the start of today's recording. But just a, a look at your 2022 season, Harry. Yeah. How would you put that into your own words? Because unfortunately, you didn't play any first 11 cricket for North Ants last season. But in the second 11 county championship, for example, you scored 410 runs at 37.27. You got scores of 84 and 94 against Somerset. Then you had 83 and outs against Sussex in Woodman Coates. So how would you summarise and put into words your performances in 2022? I would say frustrating would be my first word. Uh, I unfortunately dislocated and broke my finger probably six weeks before the season. So that meant that I had a quite a slow start to the season. Um, and then obviously I broke my finger in August as well, which meant I missed the 50 over cup. Um, but I, don't, I just feel like cricket is such a luck-based game sometimes. You just need a little bit of luck on your side. And I, I feel like, like those second 11 stats aren't, but like they're, they're pretty decent, but they're not quite where I want to be. I, I would want to turn those 80s and 90s into, you know, like a big 100 because that's kind of what when people start noticing you and, you know, you start knocking on the door for a first team place. So, I've, well, I've, we've already discussed that and that's my work on for this year is can I turn those scores into big scores and, you know, then potentially move on to the next level. So, yeah, it was just quite a frustrating year, to be honest. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised you've said that, to be honest. With all of the injuries, that definitely does add to it, doesn't it? Because it is an unfortunate part of the game. But again, you mentioned that luck factor. The game's out of your control at times, isn't it? And with injuries in particular, I mean, obviously you can do everything in your power to mitigate certain ones, but you can't prevent a broken finger. It's going to happen in the game of cricket, isn't it? In particular as a wicketkeeper. So, unfortunate, unlucky. But then again putting the odds over the off-season, come back strong in 2023. Who knows, mate? You could come out with a massive century in the Championship or the One Day Cup. Only time will tell. And talking of Northants then, Harry, to wrap up what's been a very interesting episode of the podcast, we do, of course, have the return of TCCP teammates. Now, it's been far too long since we've had a segment of these. So, Harry, we are breaking new ground again in 2023. But for those who aren't aware how this works, essentially, I've just got a few questions for Harry to answer all about his teammates that he shares a dressing room with at Wantage Road. So, Harry Goldston, are you ready for the return of TCCP teammates? I'm ready. Fantastic. So, the first question on today's teammate segment, a brand new one for 2023. Harry Goldston, who is the mirror magnet? at Northamptonshire County Cricket Club. Who's always obsessed with taking selfies for the Instagram? Um, uh, there's two of them, Freddie Heldrick and Rob Keir. If you had to choose one, both of whom have been guests on the podcast before, they might be listening into today's uh, one. Who'd well, you say? Freddie, 100% Freddie. Freddie Heldrick. Goodness me, the mirror magnet at Northants. There we go, folks. What a way to kickstart teammates in 2023. And our next question, Harry, this is one of our classic ones. Always love this, but 
who is the dressing room DJ at Northamptonshire? And what kind of tunes do they play in that dressing room? Um, Ricardo Vasconcelos normally DJs. He he goes for a mix of um, a little bit like techno music almost. Like, you know, if you go to kind of a rave in the forest, that kind of music you'd get. That's a very specific description. Yeah, it's it's quite unique music, and I'm not sure it's everyone's taste either, but he enjoys it, so he puts it on. Fair play. Each to their own. Forest techno. Didn't think I was going to hear that on the podcast, but there we go. Ricardo Vasconcelos, the the dressing room DJ. Very, very interesting indeed. And, oh, Harry, this next one. This is the one at TCCP where you do have to throw at least one person under the bus. But who do you say are the best and worst dressed at Northamptonshire County Cricket Club? Okay. Um, best dressed, I will go with Rob here. He is, he's a well-dressed man. Worst dressed, Freddie. Freddie looks like he's just been to the charity shop every time he walks into the changing room. Freddie Heldrick's getting cooked today, isn't he? he it's, yeah, I, to be fair, he's at uni with me, so I see him every day. And he will turn up in a bright orange jumper and bright purple trousers. It's 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 genuinely horrendous. Yeah, that is pretty rogue. I can't like Freddie. I like you, mate. Fantastic it's guest, excellent young wrist spinner, but that's a bit rogue. <laughs> Even I'll admit that. Goodness me, not that I'm one to talk. I'm a terrible dresser, but goodness me, I don't think you'd ever catch me in something so bright and vibrant around a, a cricket ground or indeed a uni. So yeah, I can definitely see the the reasoning behind that and. Harry, our penultimate question for today's teammate segments. Again, this is a classic here at TCCP. But who's the dressing room hard man? Who on earth would you not want to mess with in that North Ant's dressing room? Uh, Luke Proctor. Really? Is he the enforcer? He, he's the enforcer. He's Yeah, he, he can be quite intimidating sometimes. And it, I think he enjoys his role as the dressing room enforcer as well. Fair play. He is hard as nails, though, any Luke Proctor he on is, a cricket yeah. field. He just he has that presence, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I can definitely see again the the rationale behind that. And the final question for today's teammate segments, because I believe this show is actually going on as we speak. I haven't actually watched any of it this year, but this is always an interesting one to to wrap up the teammate segment, Harry. But who in that Northampton dressing room would be the most likely to enter Love Island? Uh, Emilio e- easy Emilio do you reckon he'd be a good shout yeah he well he he dresses the part He's he actually says he would like to go on there as well so yeah. what do you reckon do you think he has enough riz to go on on Love Island he would say he does I would say he doesn't we'd have to see wouldn't we obviously yeah. not during the season I don't think North Hans fans would be too happy with Emilio just jetting off to what is it is it Mallorca or Ibiza. I don't even know which yeah, island it is. Island, yeah. It's one of the Balearics, that's all I know. It's it's one of the Spanish islands in the Mediterranean, but I think you'd make for <laughs> pretty good entertainment, to be fair. Emilio is a pretty funny fella. Mm. He would be very, very interesting indeed, Harry. I mean, what a way to wrap up the teammate segment. And yeah, Emilio Gay on Love Islands. Again, a sentence I didn't expect to be saying to wrap up today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. But... Harry, before we say our final goodbyes for the recording and just wrap up what's been a very good show, I must say, I just wanted to to look ahead to the future ever so slightly because as of this recording, 
we're 69 days away from the start of the 2023 championship. So what are your future aspirations in the game? I suppose from both an individual and a team perspective, heading into the summer of 2023 and the years beyond. Um, So individually, I'd love to just have a few opportunities, maybe a run of games this year, chance to prove myself, hopefully do well. As a team, I think we've got the real, especially with the signings we we made over the winter. We've got we're starting to have the real components of a good side. So I think if if we can finish top half championship, get through to those quarterfinals in the T20s, then I think that'll be a good season. We can push on from there. I think it's probably it's probably about time we had some success back. And I think like if I look at the the boys we've got, we have got some real good players in there, so I don't see why we can't do it. Well, Harry, it goes without saying, but obviously myself and everybody associated with the Cows Creek podcast are wishing yourself and North Ants all the very best of luck heading into the summer That's of right. 2023 and the years beyond. As you said, there is a buzz around North Ants at the moment. You've got some excellent players. I mean, you're included in that young cohort yourself, but with the likes of Freddie Keldrick, you've got the likes of Emilio Gay, Ricardo Vasconcelos, You've got the experienced heads, you know, the likes of Ben Sanderson, Rob Keogh, Luke Proctor. There is a real good sense of of unity in that side and some excellent talent. So, yeah, should be an exciting season for North Ants, in particular in white ball crickets. After yeah. the disappointment of 2022, I do think the Steel Backs will be back even stronger in 2023. So I look forward to the T20 Blast over the course of this summer. But Harry, that is essentially it for today's episode of the County Cricket Podcast. Before we say our goodbyes, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? No, I've got don't have much to promote. Well, that does make my life easier. It makes the podcast description a little bit less congested. But we will leave the links to your Instagram and your other social media channels in the podcast description. That's just TCCP tradition. So Listeners, if you want to go and follow Harry, check out his cricketing story. Please feel free to go and click on those in due course. But that is it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.